<sighs> okay. All right. Hi, everyone. This is Faye from Face World Media. I am here with Dave Sedia. Welcome, David. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Awesome. And by the way, you know, I just by accident called you David. Is there a big difference between Dave and David? I wasn't so sure. I don't know. I usually go by Dave. <laughs> Doesn't really matter, though. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So let me briefly introduce you to Dave. And um, this is pretty incredible because I was watching a YouTube video and then I discover the software that I'm so passionate about and I pay for it. And that's why we're here to talk about it, which is called Recut. And the website is called getrecut.com. It's developed by Dave. And real quick, Dave is a software developer based in Burlington, Massachusetts, which is not too far away from me. I always get excited interviewing someone, chatting with someone locally. Um, and he's also a content creator who in 2018 quit his full-time software job to focus on creating educational resources for JavaScript, React developers. He runs a blog, davesedia.com, and wrote book in React in 2016. And in 2019, uh, expanded to a full self-paced video course called Pure React, purereact.com. And after making hours of screenshots, that's the origin story, and helping frustrated, and I'm just going to kind of riff this part, for video content creators like myself, whether you're a YouTuber or video editor, you know, individually or as an agency, uh, this software is just incredible because it cuts out all the silence, the ums, the ahs, or just me pausing, not sure what I'm trying to say. And it's amazing. It will reduce my... Uh, we're going to do a demo in, uh, shortly, but reduce my 17 minute recordings to sometimes like 15, 15 to 12 minutes. And if you're not an editor, you won't get this because it takes forever, like hours to edit out all the silence segments. And on top of that, it literally takes minutes, sometimes seconds for the export, which is unlike Descript that takes forever. Uh, so I love Descript for other reasons. So anyway, long the intro, Dave, welcome. I'm so thrilled to be chatting with you right now. Me too. Really glad to be here. This is going to be fun. Awesome. Well, so let's please jump in. And if you're watching this um, currently or after live stream, please leave us questions. And I tend to monitor the channels and we're here talking about, you know, creative entrepreneurship, creator economy. So the first question we want to kick it off is that, uh, Dave, I'm a current user of Recut and absolutely love it. It's so simple, clean, effective. It's so easy to talk about it because I'm in I'm in on it every single day. But um, I want to kind of hear a bit of your origin stories on noticing that this is something that people might need, um, people like myself, but to actually develop that from ideation to launching, like what was the beginning stage like? Did you have any doubts about like, mm, I don't know whether I have time or I want to do this, will this work? Yeah, I th there was there was a lot of that actually. So um, so you, you kind of touched on the origin story a bit. So I, I was, um, you know, was still am, I guess, course, a course creator um, writing mostly for JavaScript developers and um, so I made a bunch of screencasts mm -hmm. and the editing process was always like my least favorite part. So I think it's partly because I'm just not great at doing stuff on the first take. So I would, <laughs> I would leave these, these pauses between my, my tries. And then um, the editing was kind of like mechanical at that point. Mm -hmm. Just go through, chop out all the silences and stuff. Um, but it's really tedious and it always felt like the computer should be able to do it for me. Um, so at some point, I was like, I wonder if there's a way to, to automate this. And I went looking around and found some scripts and 
actually kind of like my first attempt was to write my own script to to do this and it was like hey it sort of proved out the concept it's like this this seems like it could work but it's not visual it's not like you don't get the live preview aspect mm -hmm. with the script and so um so it it sort of put the idea in my head like i could build this thing but there was definitely a lot of like i had to kind of convince myself that i should try to build a video editor because <laughs> it's like not a simple piece of software to build and i don't know anything like i That's didn't know anything about video like really no video background like development wise um so that was kind of the beginning of it interesting i think you touched upon something that i am i don't want to say oh i'm so bad at it but i tend to want to create this kind of fully fleshed out like this hub of tools and features and you know everything that anyone would ever want for that whatever you know for zoom zoom guides zoom webinar and that's kind of part of my niche and youtube strategy but i also realized that you have nailed a, a part of our process as video editors, as YouTubers, is that the, the grueling editing process, especially at the beginning, I think preparing rough cuts, it's just, it's very challenging process and it's not very interesting. And there's a lot of, um, one thing I, I don't even think I mentioned to you earlier is that there's a lot of uh, negative, like self-talk judgment that goes on watching your first iteration of a video like of course we're human beings we're going to pause i'm not sure what to say but because of recut i kind of remove myself from that process and whatever i get in return is just a much cleaner version of it so i, I find myself to kind of dive into work more positively more quickly and just overall more effective that's awesome I, <laughs> sort of a nice side benefit i'd never really thought of that but that's that's great to hear Awesome. Or right, if you don't mind, I'm just going to do a quick demo. And this is the area, by the way, I was a software developer for several years and studied computer science. Cool. And the funny thing is that whenever we do a demo, right, like we're always thinking like, is it going to, I hope it really works. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. Right. And so for everybody who's watching live, I'm going to hide. Uh, you can see, still see us in the lower corner. And literally, I'm just going to go to my download folder and show you guys. And feel free to, to comment on this. Dave's like, hey, you're using it wrong. Um, I am going to drag a file. And this is kind of interesting. This is me literally demoing, comparing uh, this part, which is recut versus Descript. But you can see, like, the moment I get this file in here, it's just like, this is like just watching a phenomenal painting. <laughs> I'm just getting so excited. You can see there's a little, like, fainted uh, red bars here. And... You know, you can zoom in and zoom out. And what those, what are those, Dave? So interesting that the waveform stopped displaying. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we were just talking about demos. Like, it doesn't do that. I haven't <laughs> seen that before. Um, so, <laughs> no worries. We've, so we've got the, um, so you've got the blue waveform, and then the little red sections are chunks of silence that it's found. And those silent bits are, um, so like tweakable. You'll, I'll let you keep going with this. Right here. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like you can, like you said, you can change the minimum duration, change up the padding here. You can remove blips. Uh, some people like their videos cut really tight. I'm someone, well, I like there to be some breathing room. So actually by default, the threshold by default or what's here considered uh, auto, you know, I think it's quite good. Yeah, so it tries to make a best guess at like what's a reasonable silence threshold but you can tweak that too if it seems like it's cutting off two words, words too closely or um or not mm -hmm. enough or whatever 
Yeah, and I, I love it, by the way. So as I'm moving around, like I'm able to preview it. This is Faye, and in this part, I'm gonna show you. So I'm able to kind of move this cursor around, then I can see there's like a, you know, something that, I, that can be removed very easily. And it just, this is super helpful. And we talked about the panel on the right. I love how clean it is. It's the only software that I think I've used without feeling overwhelmed or like stupid inside. And here, are the uh, this is the export feature. So you can just simply export this uh, original format. The quick, the pass through is so, so fast, but you do have the high quality re-encode, which is slow, but not much slower, frankly. So let me show you, I mean, this is crazy. This is the fast pass through. And um, I don't think I'm, uh, so I can just simply save it. This one probably has been done. But it literally takes less than like thirty seconds. Dave, am I crazy? Where is that? No, the yeah, the 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 pass through is really fast. Yeah, there are some. There's some. Uh, I think there's some issues with it sometimes. Like certain files don't play well with the pass through. I've mm -hmm. heard, have had some people say that it doesn't always work. But if it does work, it's awesome. So I feel like that's like try that one first. Yeah, this super helpful. And then <laughs> you're so honest about yourself. It's like, oh, there's some imperfections. But uh, here, you know, what's also amazing is uh, this is, by the way, it's not even sponsored, but the export timeline only down here. I am a Final Cut Pro user. So you have different formats. And my producer uses Adobe Premiere, sometimes Final Cut Pro. My content manager uses DaVinci. And you literally can choose these apps and you can uh, import those XMLs right back to Final Cut Pro or, or whatever the software of your choice. And it will remove the, the silent clips. And as a result, um, I will stop the, the share right now. As a result, uh, I get a much tighter, shorter uh, video rough cut to go from. And I have noticed personally for me, if you guys know me, I'm on YouTube, you know, twice, two videos a week basically has saved me hours. And um, so therefore I think it's, it's really wonderful. And I do uh, have included uh, a link right in the description, no matter where you are, there's a $10 discount. Thanks to Dave uh, to provide ad to face world. Definitely check it out. I think, yeah, link below. I think it's definitely one of the, the best $100 I've spent, which is going to be $89 or $90 for you guys. So yeah, check it out. Well, let's, Keep the con conversation going, Dave. Is there anything else you would like to talk about? Thanks for that demo. It's awesome to hear. I, I think one of my favorite things about this software is like just being able to save people time. Like that's kind of the whole goal is to is to make it fast to use and just just to make the whole editing process less painful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this part is it is very painful. Like I like learning how to edit, but at the end of the day as a solo entrepreneur or me, someone who's running a very small team, it's just so important for everybody to not only work harder, myself included, but also uh, work smarter as well, which I think it's so uh, underrated sometimes because we live in this uh, world economy. Everybody's focused on efficiency, but not so much on as much as on self-care and working less and enjoying life more as much as they should. <laughs> so... 100%. Yeah, I mean, the um, let's see, I'm going to route to some of the questions that I'm so eager to ask, which is a lot of my audience here on social media, but especially on YouTube are um, entrepreneurs. It's interesting. There's kind of a spectrum of people who are starting out uh, thanks to the great resignation, um, people of different levels as well. 
And there are also people like me who have been going at it for a while. I've been an entrepreneur uh, full-time since early 2016. So six years into it for me. And there's some people I've done it a lot longer and trying to work smarter. So could you maybe talk to us about your your journey, maybe why you decided to leave your job in, in 2018 and start doing stepping into the unknown? Yeah. Um, so thinking back, I think, you know, uh, before that, you know, I always had, I, I just worked as a, as a software developer full time. And I kind of got the sense that I, I wanted to branch out and do stuff on my own. I think part of that was this feeling of like maybe unfulfillment and in some, in some sense, like the, you know, the software stuff was fun, but we never really had like direct connections with users. Like we didn't know what kind of impact our software was having or whatever. And, um, yeah, so I, I felt like maybe, you know, doing my own thing, I have like a more direct connection with people. And, um, and I think that was a big part of it. And I think also just kind of personally, like I have a lot of hobbies and stuff and I always kind of wanted more time to do mm. stuff that doesn't work. <laughs> so it's like, if I yeah. kind of owned my own time, this would, this would be ideal. So, um, yeah, and I, I think I, I spent a good number of years kind of doing uh not nothing. I did a lot of reading and watching stuff <laughs> and like not actually doing any business stuff though. Like a lot of, you know, reading business books and things. Um, and uh, that was kind of my, that was sort of my intro to it. And then I also, I, I went down this brief, well, not brief, kind of like my, my plan for a while was the early retirement thing, which I think is a little more common now, like then mm -hmm. Um, Mr. Money Mustache was my was my intro into that world. Yeah, but I love this work. <laughs> that idea of like you know save up, uh, we like twenty five x your annual spending or something, and mm -hmm. you could basically live, live off of dividend returns or whatever. And mm -hmm. um, that was my plan for a little while, and then I realized like, well, if I get a job or like make some side income, could sort of make that happen faster. And um, you know, combined with minimizing expenses and stuff, it's like, well, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, once the the side business got enough um, got enough revenue to where it was covering expenses, I felt like, well, worst case, I can go back and get another job. Um, so I'll just try this out for a while. Uh, By the way, quick question: You said there you find a side gig that covers some of the minimum or, or you know reasonable amount reasonable amount of expenses. Which side gig are you referring to? Yes, yeah, so, I realized I skipped that. So, twenty fifteen, twenty fifteen, I I took a business course called 30 by 500 um, by Amy Hoy and Alex Hillman. And this is, this, this is the one that got me out of the spinning my wheels and finally got me doing something. And so in 2015, I started a blog um, about uh, then Angular JS, but like JavaScript developer stuff and um, teaching developers that way. And then wrote a book in 2016. And so it was that, that book was like the first product that I ever sold online and mm -hmm. Um, it got to the point where that was making like $2,000 a month ish. And it was like, okay, that's impressive. This, yeah. this plus some savings. Like I, I can probably make this work for a while. It's, it's no developer salary, but you know, um, mm -hmm. we won't starve. Right. So uh, yeah, and that was kind of it. And then 2018, I went full-time on creator stuff and mm -hmm. um, did a couple more courses since then. And, but yeah. Mm. This is really good. I, I mean, I'm hearing uh, three, 30 by 500 for the first time. And, you know, that that is incredible. And 
Um, so I always love discovering new things and at the same time, always surprised by how much uh, sometimes the same resources and people we follow to like yeah. before we begin as entrepreneurs ourselves. So yeah. um, I love the uh, first question from Michael uh, Buckby. How much time do you save making videos with ReCut? So um, I would love to hear the uh, the answer from Dave as well. For me to clarify, Michael, so I don't really, I'm not a vlogger. It means that I don't really kind of capture my daily lives running around like beauty stuff. And uh, But instead, I do a lot of tech tutorials and I love, I'm super passionate about making technology really accessible for anyone who either hates or really intimidated by tech, tech in general. So I do a lot of sit down talking head and I also do a lot of screen tutorials, which means I'm recording my screen like click by click. So um, I would say that as a result, I find myself with a short video, I save a good maybe one hour. Um, if I'm editing the video typically for two to three hours, I can cut down like an hour just with a rough cut. And um, I also think the quality is really good. You know, I'm not waiting for Recut to like spin and I have to go get coffee. No, like I throw the video in and I just sit there. It's like, yep, yeah, I got my coffee already here. I'm just going to continue working. I actually like the minimum distraction. Frankly, you know, whatever you're waiting for, that's kind of the problem with software. Like I find myself and then I come back and say, like, what? Wait, what was I doing again? <laughs> so a, a lot of time for sure. And um, I would say longer videos, sit down videos. Yeah, knock off a good hour. That means a lot to me. I'm not sure if you guys ever measure your productivity. For me, average day is about four hours of very concentrated work. A great day is six to eight. So that one hour in, you know, uh, kind of perspective is 25% of my valuable time back um, in a day. So Dave, what's your answer? What do you, what videos do you create? How much time do you save or do you hear from your audience that they actually save? Um, so I've, I've heard from people who, who have saved like multiple hours per video. I think one person emailed me and said they saved like 30 hours of editing. And I was like, wow, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I think personally I do, uh, I do the same kind of stuff same kind of stuff really as, as you do like screencasts mm -hmm. um and that's the use case i originally built it for which is why it's which is why it's like really simple and kind of stripped down mm -hmm. um we can we can talk a bit about that too but uh i um yeah for this for the screencasts it probably saves me a good hour or so per you know per screencast or something like that um the other thing that i that i have sort of like a side benefit I hadn't realized was that it makes me less worried about messing up while I'm recording. Cause I don't, I know I don't have to edit those out. Like I just like stay silent. And mm. it's, it's not like, Oh, I'm piling onto my editing time by, by dragging this out. <laughs> it's like the the quieter I can be between takes, the, the easier it'll be to edit out later. So just stay silent yeah. and try again. So true. Mentally, it is such a relief that I used to judge myself too for, uh, getting into a silence or not sure what I was doing. And I think in a way that recut helps me become better and more efficient as I'm ideating and recording. Uh, and I can imagine, by the way, someone saving a ton of time. So if you are a vlogger and, you know, you have so much footage, a lot of B-roll, I've been there. I actually did a documentary film. And I just remember like out of every, the output of uh, 12 to 14 minutes came from days of shooting. So can you imagine like that? We're easily talking about uh, saving a ton of time, cutting out and cleaning up all the B-roll. So yeah. super helpful for anybody who's watching. I saw like just now there's like 
10, you know, 12 people hopped on, please say hi if you're here. I would love to know if there are any video editors or people running production companies among us and say hi and please ask your questions. And Malcolm, if you're still watching, thank you for joining us again. Um, so, so Dave, I think uh, I, I would love to, for people who are listening to this, to understand that we don't always go from point A to B with a, you know, on a really smooth ride because everything, your website, whether it's Dave Sedia, whether it's getrecaught.com looks really clean, a beautiful website, um, everything that you've okay. listed there, popular content. But could you talk about like how you were kind of navigating your journey and maybe didn't get there, get here so quickly? Like what are some of the roadblocks or, or self-doubts that you ran into? Yeah. Um, you mentioned the design specifically. That's always been, th thank you, by the way, because I, I feel like I uh, I don't think I'm great at design. I definitely know that I'm, I'm better than I used to be. And I, that's one of the things that's like early on was I was just a horrible at and I've gotten a lot better at through practice and courses and things. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I you know, there's, I feel like there's, there's lots of ups and downs in, in entrepreneurship. You know, there's lots of self doubts and stuff. And even if it's, even if things are going well, like there's, there's this sort of constant churn of like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Should I really be spending time on this? Or am I spending too much time on this or whatever? Um, mm -hmm. And that's just kind of a constant thing. I was, I kind of thought like, Oh, once I, once I make a product or once I quit my job or something like then I'll be successful and that'll, that'll go away. And that's just like, not, not how that goes. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I mean, the, the you mentioned that there are a lot of ups and downs. So even critical part is like, even when you're doing well, you feel like you need to do more. I think, yeah. I think as human beings, one thing I learned that I've talked about before is the idea that you need to, you know, if you're working full time right now, you need a bigger, better title, you need more salary. And I get it. It seems like part of the natural progression, like you're making progress. Same thing with being an entrepreneur. It's like, I need to make more money now in February than January, and I need to work smarter um, but it is, it is impossible or, or to think that, you know, I'm going to be okay once I get through a certain point, cause you may or may not get there. And, um, and also I want to say like, just because like, if you publish a video on social media or YouTube, you have experienced this, you have some posts you didn't even put much thoughts into, and it became sort of relatively viral, tons of comments, people love it. They share it. Oh my God. Then you look at your thoughtful content. You you dwelled two days on it. You lost sleep over it. You feel like you're putting your best work and people kind of ignore and don't really care. And it's important to sometimes to ignore the vanity metrics. We're really important to ignore that because it's so easy to judge ourselves to say, okay, now I can just send more. I don't know. It's something called a shit posting, I think, on Twitter. Oh, I'll just do more. I only do that now because those are the things that work. Like, how do you balance that, Dave? Like, to... Mm, yeah, that's that's always tough. I've never I've never really been very good at guessing how well something is going to do, um, which might mean that I'm not good at coming up with good content ideas. I don't know, but I, my solution to that was to to so when I was blogging more, um, all of those ideas, almost all the ideas came directly from um, things I would see on forums. Mm -hmm. This is something I learned from that 30 by 500 class where they call it sales safari. So you're like taking notes and kind of reading through. Um, reading through places where people are hanging out and figuring out like, well, what are people struggling with and how could I help? And uh, really writing posts to answer those questions. And it was kind of like, well, you know, even if this doesn't go viral or something, like I know that it's, this, is a, this is a useful thing for at least mm -hmm. a few people. 
and um that has that worked out pretty well like it it's sort of i think it's kind of a um gave me like natural seo like mm -hmm. i get a bunch of search traffic from search these days and like that's built up over time but i never really did much on in terms of like seo hacks and keyword research and all this kind of stuff it was kind of like well finding the actual problems is the keyword research and so if you write solutions to those problems like it ends up working out pretty well um yeah and some of them do well and some of them don't and it's kind of like you know you end up building this back catalog of stuff yeah speaking of back catalog i know that this may not even be i mean it says every post ever but i'm sure you probably have written and published somewhere else um but at, in terms of a blog post i mean these are the articles and i would say like some people, some people I might look at this, they're like, oh, I've published even more than that. Or some people just say, oh, I, there is no way for me to reach this level or this, you know, number of posts. And it's interesting how we process that as individuals and content creators, that if somebody told me that I have to interview 300 people and write 300 additional blog posts, uh, it's going to be hard to swallow, like to say, really, how can I get to that one viral post? And it just... It doesn't work that way. And what I realized over the years is uh, where did the time go when I look back six, seven years of being an entrepreneur and I ended up, ended up creating so much content, it's impossible to really predict. Like to your best ability, just it's not possible to predict what's going to hit. So you might as well write them. And yeah. right, like using Dave's example, recut. Like I think as a YouTuber, I do wake up in the morning, go to sleep thinking like, how can I possibly reduce the time to make editing more efficient? Because that's literally is the one thing that stops me from creating more content or even wanting to create more content. And you solve that very problem. And I'm looking at this, like as a developer, I can see like, oh, how to read react errors, like how specific errors, uh, we all run into them and react or a certain brand, these companies might not provide us with the most accurate, most helpful content. And you step in here to really do a much better job explaining it. So um, I think these are really good tactics. Yeah, thanks. I think it's, um, yeah, and I think some of the posts, you know, uh, they're, they're more specific and less specific. I think some of them were like broader tutorials and stuff, but they, they kind of, um, you know, over time, I think it, to your point about like being told like I need to do 300 blog posts or something. I think that's something that you hear a lot in creator circles. It's like, just do two years of work or just do a hundred blog posts or something. And I think it's, it's kind of true in a sense, but also super demotivating to, to look at this mountain that you have to climb first. And yeah. it's, I think it's easy to look at that and say like, well, I won't be successful until I hit that the top of the mountain, but actually there's going to be a bunch of little successes along the way. And those are the ones that really keep you going, I think. And it's like hearing from people who read a post are like, oh, this is super helpful. This saved me a bunch of time today or whatever. Like mm -hmm. those things kind of kept me going. Yeah. So great. Keep telling us what are some of the small mountains. I like that metaphor. And it's very true. People sending you these lovely messages and things that money can buy. And um, what, I mean, if we use get recut uh, or recut as an example, how long did it take for you to develop like the MVP, minimal uh, viable product, something usable? Um, how long did it take? And when did you see that little, I don't know, like that, that kind of milestone that's significant to say, oh, I probably should, you know, devote more of my time. And this, this is a thing now, like people like it and there's, there's a future and growth to it. 
That's a good question. Um, so recut, I think I started it in hmm, 2019, I guess. It was probably a few months of uh of development or something. Full um, time? Yeah, full time-ish. Well, yeah, 20, 30 hours I've, a week yeah, is significant. I've, it's up there. Yeah, I've never been great at tracking my time. I, I think looking <laughs> back, I, I don't know if you know, it could have been 40, it could have been more like I'll end up working into the night and stuff. Like if I'm if I'm involved in a problem. Mm -hmm. or it's exciting yeah. or something i'll just kind of keep going um but i you know it was probably probably a few months um and then before that you know prior to that was probably a good i would say maybe six months or so of like oh i think i could solve this problem a eh, video editor is probably too hard oh maybe i could solve that problem and eh, maybe not yet and thinking about it uh -huh. yeah kind of thinking about it and like getting myself like I don't know, to build up the courage to build it or something. Yeah. Um, it, it, that, that honestly was like, it took a little while. Um, and I think, you know, I'm trying to think of like, I shared a couple tweets about it um, and reached out to some people to, to give out beta copies and people seemed pretty excited about it. Mm -hmm. And then the actual like launch day tweet, I, I don't know how that ended up getting picked up, but it got picked up by a bunch of big YouTubers and people retweeted it and stuff. And that was kind of the point where I was like, oh, maybe maybe this is cool because these are not people in my audience really. Like I'd built up this audience of developers yeah. who are not, not a whole lot of overlap there with video editors. Um, mm -hmm. And to to tweeting that out and seeing seeing all this like positive reactions around it, I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe this is a bigger problem than I imagined. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you launched officially. I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, the tweet uh, that you pinned at the top of your Twitter handle. I think it was January 2021. So it's been just a little over a year since the official yeah. launch of Recut and you have beta users. Do you mind giving us like a rough number of like how many current or active users or users in total that you have generated? Um, I think it's like 500 or so now, almost 600 actually. 600. Oh, that's 600 or so copies. Yeah. And so like, I've also changed the pricing around a few times. So, you know, it's not like 600 times, times a hundred dollars, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty great. Wow. So let's talk about pricing real quick. Cause th that part is you hear such contradicting feedback sometimes Yeah. today, right? So <laughs> yeah. you want to offer something uh, for people who are new to pricing, thinking about pricing, there is a pretty big difference between one time versus recurring, which in this case for recut, it is a one time. <clears throat> I should probably drink some water like Dave just did. Um, it is a one time payment. And, you know, and, but and then you think about it, Dave has to maintain the software, there may be support that goes into it, which I don't think this software needs much support, which is freaking brilliant, right? And it is just so intuitive. And um, so, yeah, I mean, how many iterations of pricing and what goes into the consideration? Like, oh, it's too expensive. Oh, it's not, it's, it's not <laughs> enough. Oh. Yeah, no, that's that nails it. That's exactly what goes into the consideration. And then eventually I just picked a number. I think it was like, <laughs> Imagine like, number. Yeah, originally it was $29. Uh, I was thinking like, well, it's like a utility. Um, I mean, it will save people a lot of time, but I don't know if this is a real thing people want. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it was a few months after the release and seeing the feedback I was getting. And also people saying like, I would have paid $200 for this. I was like, I should probably charge more, <laughs> mm -hmm. especially for a one-time thing. Um, 
and then the whole one-time versus recurring thing i think there's um personally i don't i don't love paying for subscriptions i'm not sure anyone really likes paying for subscriptions but there's also the aspect of like keeping things simple so you know one of the uh one of the things i had in mind building this in the first place was like video editor is a is a large project like mm. building something that's going to tackle like screen flow or final cut or even descript like these are huge things and i was like well i can't build that whole thing <laughs> just to solve this problem right like i'm just going to build a thing that kind of bolts into one of those other editors yeah so um and as part of that keeping things simple was like well uh i've sold one off products before I know how to do like set up a product and send owl and you know have a download link and stuff um mm -hmm. versus setting up recurring billing and then there's also this kind of like ongoing um you know ongoing expectation of maintenance and like i don't really know what the future roadmap is what if nobody likes it like mm -hmm. there's all these questions and i was like it'll just be simpler to do one-time billing um mm -hmm. so that's that's that was kind of where mm -hmm. that came from do you regret, I mean, do you regret it? Do you have any challenges thinking about, wow, it does, I mean, the software, any software needs maintenance for anybody using yeah. any software who's not a software developer should know this. If you have a website, it doesn't matter how clean it is, it needs maintenance. And um, yeah, like, do you, do you still think about uh, now I need to bring the software to the next level, maybe working with influencers. Now you're developing a Windows version of it. You're thinking maybe I need to charge more. Maybe I need to, I don't know, create a subscription for the community or something. Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the, the thought has <laughs> crossed my mind for sure. Um, <laughs> like whether whether I should be charging uh, some kind of subscription or just charging more or something. Um, mm -hmm. And it's still kind of, you know, I haven't, I haven't like, I haven't made up my mind forever. You know, I, I might change at some point. I think mm -hmm. the the one thing that I that I haven't been um, so one, one thing one one of the pricing options that I that I thought of was the sketch model, um, mm -hmm. which is the kind of like you pay you basically pay once and you keep it forever, but mm -hmm. you you get a year of updates with your payment. So like you pay ninety nine dollars for sketch, for instance, you get mm -hmm. a full year of updates, and then in a year. You just stop getting updates, but you can keep using it forever. Yeah. And I was thinking of doing that with Recut. And I probably will at some point because that feels like kind of a natural. Yeah. Like a natural thing. Like you're paying for updates, um, but it it can be one time purchase if you want it to be basically. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, that's one of the things I thought of doing that also requires some development work on the back end. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll just I'll do that later if this if this works out. So yeah well thanks for the kind of the deep dive in, into thinking about pricing because you know that's i think that's an area like a lot of us run into to think that there is a magic number where there sort of is and isn't and just because something that works uh that has worked for other people may not necessarily work for you um and so like i actually forgot to ask uh this question dave related to your audience like i think we just assumed that people who are most likely video editors or YouTubers or agencies, like of the 600 people, roughly, I mean, now you have a um, more than a sample size of people. Like what have you noticed about their roles? Like who are they who decided to, to buy Recut and how did they discover you? Um, so that's a good question. I think mostly, um, mostly it's been YouTubers, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which is sort of like when I built it, I was thinking for course creators and like, how am I going to find course creators? Yeah. And 
it has turned out that like, oh, actually there's this much larger pool of people who make videos there on YouTube. So yeah. um, kind of logical looking back, like, oh, of course it should have been YouTubers. But but that that has been like, I think that's most of the audience, um, or at least most of the customers I've interacted with anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, I think there's probably not, it's not all YouTube, but it's, it's, it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot of YouTubers. Have you noticed the kind of the characteristics of these YouTubers? Are they uh, big YouTubers? Are they just starting out? Like they're trying to learn how to edit and you've made it really simple. Or, you know, I'm just wondering, like, what type of YouTubers are they? Small business owners, companies? Yeah, I think it's kind of a mix. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I, I think I have heard from a few people who are like just getting started. Um, I think there's also, there are definitely people who have, like already have channels and are, are familiar with editing and like know the pain that this mm -hmm. is solving, mm -hmm. um, which I think is in some sense, almost like a, like a more natural sale mm -hmm. or something like the, the people who already like, they know they have this problem. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of like how people have found out about it, I think that's also been um, mostly YouTubers. I think, mm -hmm. I think people talking amongst themselves or like I've had a, a few people do videos about it and some affiliates um like yourself i think yeah. like like the affiliate avenue seems to be working out pretty well for getting the word out um, um yeah i'm always kind of look, look, looking for more ideas for that too yeah i i'm just wondering because i it does uh is, i think it's a very pleasant surprise to realize there are a lot of youtubers and youtubers tend to have some similar goals, some not so much. Um, for instance, um, the YouTubers that I'm going after, that I'm working with, uh, you know, in terms of strategies, are often small business owners. So I haven't really worked with anyone per se who are focused on developing that one viral video. Whereas a lot of my clients um, are focused on how to connect better in terms of creating smart content, content creation that's linked and matched to their services and products. And a lot of my clients are speakers, authors, and entrepreneurs. And it's so fascinating to realize that for an, an engine like YouTube, the marketing is evergreen, that you could literally have only 50 to 100 views on your videos, but the right people get to you. That's it. You know, a lot of my uh, basically clients are charging 100, 200K retainers. So every view, when it's high quality, it's it's huge. And um, when I think about the, when I think about how recut is being positioned into the work I'm doing is not just for my channel. I, I really much, very much look forward to using it for a lot of my clients' work as well. So um, with that said, Dave, I, I just like, I got so distracted by how much I like the, the product. I really do. And this is so phenomenal because, you know, I, I have purchased, like everybody else, I've purchased so many things I don't use and I don't can't return anymore. Um, but this is something that I just open it up and I use every single day. And so okay. there's a community, yeah, it's, I'm so glad I got to say this to you, seriously. And what is the community aspect of things? Because I I, uh, I should ask the first question is, are you like a one-person solo entrepreneur? Do you have a small team supporting you? Um, right now, it's just me. Yeah. So That's amazing. There, there, there is no real community aspect to it mm -hmm. um, outside of like me on Twitter. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty much mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah, I've thought about setting up some sort of a little recut Discord or something, but nothing. Yeah, yet. I can see you a Discord person. But I, because I think it, it's really interesting how um, people who like to use recut tend to be a certain type of 
YouTubers, I think a certain type of yeah. content creators. It would be really interesting to kind of bring us together, which I think is the power of um, for uh, today's like digital age. When the moment you te- you talked about thirty by three thirty by five hundred dot com, and I already know, I already bookmarked it, and I want to read it. Um, so that's yeah, okay, that's really interesting. So what would be the future of not just get recut, um, but also Dave Sedia, you've been an entrepreneur for now four solid years. Like, where will be an ideal situation scenario to be like in the near future? Like, will be an ideal outcome? That's a great question. I, I've always been, I've always been so bad at this. Like, what's your five year plan? Question. I'm like, I don't know. Just, just trying to figure out tomorrow. <laughs> That's also trying to figure out today. Oh, just get through the day right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I right now I've got this mix of things where I've got the kind of content creation, edu- education stuff on one side, mm-hmm. and kind of recut on the other, and there's not much overlap there. Um, and lately I've been spending more time on recut, but I can also totally see myself kind of getting that to a point where it's sustaining itself and I can go back to the education stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's kind of the plan for now. Can I keep rolling with it and see, see which, which direction I get pulled in, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of which directions, uh, one thing we haven't talked about, which is multiple streams of income, it's one of the most important things I've learned. Even when I had a full-time job, I, my biggest fear was what if this goes away? Like literally like everything is gone. And so I, I noticed that in my 20s and watching my very artistic parents have different clients and travel the world a bit and to realize, you know what, it's nice to have not just one client. And so um, yeah. we're just wondering, Dave, from what you have learned, running your blog, having your courses, your your book, and then now Get Recut, you're balancing. There are a lot of plates spinning right now. Um, is that intentional? And, um, you know, we, we don't ha- you don't have to reveal your revenue and dollar amount, but roughly what is the percentage of income just to give people a sense of, you know, like why having more than a single stream of income is so crucial? Yeah, Um so I think in I think last year it was kind of split evenly actually like in thirds it was like recut and then course stuff and then client work. Um, no way. Yeah, it kind of worked out worked <laughs> out that way. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and I've got like a little bit of part time client work, kind of keeping my hands into the React world and doing some work there, um, and then bunch of other stuff on my own but I, I enjoy having a bunch of different things going on i think i like being able to hop around between things kind of lines mm-hmm. up with my many hobbies i guess <laughs> well let's talk about many hobbies yeah. that's something i yeah. definitely relate to and, and thanks for sharing that you know one third one third one third and it's true i, I think we don't acknowledge that I, like somebody should go all in to doing something yeah. which is like kind of from my culture my background like you're so you're supposed to be a scientist go work for nasa for the rest of your life and uh, yeah. you know, be the best at something. And that is, uh, I think that can be such a detriment sometimes. And so let's talk about interests. So you, you start, you mentioned at the beginning, I didn't ignore you. So what are some of the things you like to do on the, on the side? Yeah. Um, so uh, totally like, I, I think maybe there's a generational thing here too, like where, I don't know, at least my parents and stuff came from a generation where it's like you get a job and you stay at the job forever and that's you're lucky to have that job and you mm-hmm. never leave. Um, whereas now I think, and now we're sort of like hopping around and stuff. And um, 
you know, I think when I, when I left my first job, they were like, why, why are you leaving? Like, this is a great place. <laughs> like, yeah. What, what, very prestigious. Like, why would you leave? Um, and <laughs> I, it's, yeah, I, th I think it's kind of, things have changed a bit and it's, it's easier to hop around and I think it's less, um, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's less stigma or something, but I think in terms of hobbies, it, it sort of changes. Like I, uh, I play music, like I've got guitar and bass and, ukulele and i do some woodworking i have my pilot's license <laughs> um yeah so you've also got, you've got some instruments too yeah um, yeah yeah and it's like i i don't um i wouldn't say that i do all these things all the time it's it's mm -hmm. not like i'm round robining between guitar and woodworking and recut and stuff mm -hmm. every day like it's kind of like <laughs> i'll do one thing for a while and then i'll completely forget about the other stuff and then there'll be kind of like seasons where i go through different activities mm, love it so you, you mentioned definitely musical instruments woodworking uh which is just yeah it's incredible for me now in renovating the basement for me to recall the people i worked with who were so good uh, with their crafts and make me want to learn some of these things um but you know you mentioned kind of going through seasons with your interests like I think that's that's good, right? That's refreshing. That I think that that takes you away from the everyday grind, React, JavaScript, and like in a coding interface all day, every day. Like, does it bring inspiration? So, how do you think that balance your life more that way? Yeah, um, I guess it probably does. I think I think day to day, like lately, it's been it's been pretty much just coding and stuff. So, mm -hmm. I think uh, maybe the balance the balance is kind of longer term. You know, like over the course of over the course of like months or something, uh, I might pick up something else for a while. But mm -hmm. um, over the course of like days or weeks, it's kind of focused on, usually focused on like one or two things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I definitely do feel like deep down that, that, that I should be doing one thing. I think I definitely relate to that feeling of like, well, even if I do all these, have all these interests, like I, I probably should just pare it down to one though, right? Like, <laughs> um, right. but, but that hasn't happened so far and mm. I don't really see that happening. <laughs> mm. So yeah, for whoever's watching this with many interests, you're not alone. And it's been, Dave, it's been such a pleasant uh, conversation and I get to, you know, know about you, your work and, it's like, you know, talking about recut, it's one of those things uh, as a creator, like, where has it been my whole life? I mean, I haven't even been a YouTuber that long, but I've been like working with videos for a long time. So I wish it existed. And I just listed the link on the screen once again. Um, so yeah, Dave, thanks again uh, for joining us. Any parting words, anything? I listed your, your bio, all your socials in the description below. Anything that you like to say before we wrap up? Thank you. No, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun to to talk. Yeah, all this recut and content creation and stuff. I love talking about this stuff. And if anyone else wants to chat about this stuff, um, you know, I'm I'm at Desedia on Twitter. You can find the uh, the links and everything. But always happy to chat about this stuff. Awesome. All right, I'm gonna take us offline. Please don't go anywhere just yet. All right, to our live audience, uh, thank you so much for stopping by for spending the hour with us, and I will see you next time.